All right, guys, here we go. Nordy's podcast. What an episode we have. We are going to break down all the news. We are going to tell you about the current title belt holding show that you must be watching. Nordy's race is back. And of course, we're doing Die Hard Rewatch with a Vengeance. Here we go. Nordy's podcast. And here we go, Nordy's podcast. I'm Eric. I'm here with Ryan and Jim. How are you guys doing? Uh, doing very well, man. I'm doing great, man. I'm just happy to be podcasting with you guys. Happy to pod with you guys. Again, we are social dis- distancing, practicing what we preach, being responsible like everyone needs to be if we want to get through this pandemic and keep people safe and alive. Um, but it's still fun to podcast with you guys. Uh, we need you guys to help us out during this time by giving us a follow on Twitter and Instagram at Nordeast Podcast. Also subscribe on Podbean or podcast apps anywhere, any podcast app that you use, uh, Spotify, you name it, Nordeast Podcast is there. And because it's a time of please give us that five-star review. Help us out. Give the gift of the Nordeast Podcast for Christmas. Hey, you know what was kind of cool? We haven't even been on Spotify all that long. When was that? Mid, like June or something? We just applied and got on? Yeah. And we were on like a bunch of people's top tens and everyone was doing their Spotify rewinds and we were getting popped up and it was kind of cool. I was like, all right. And just that short amount of time, Spotify has kind of become like uh, legitimate for us. Yes. So if you are, if we're on your, uh, what is it called? Um. The Spotify, I, I want to say Rewind, but that's Google's YouTube Rewind. I don't know what it's called. Spotify. Wrapped? Wrapped. 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 Yeah. 2020 Wrapped. If, if we're on your Wrapped, send it out to us and we'll post it for you. Perfect. All right, guys. So we're all drinking our own beers at home. What are you guys drinking today? All right. All right. I'm at, uh, oh, I'll go, I'll go ahead. So it's, uh, I don't want to go do the thing. Um. I bet one of Jimbo's favorite sort of uh, sleeper breweries, uh, Prius, in is it northeast? It's kind of northeast. It's close. Kind of north. It's on the other side of the river. Um, it's on like that that park right by the river in in north. Yeah. Like If you keep going way up Washington, that's where it's at. Yeah, it's close though. We'll call it northeast just for fun. Sure. Um, I'm drinking a Sunrise Beach. It's a tropical smoothie IPA, and holy crap. I don't think I've had this, and it is unbelievably good. It's fantastic. Awesome. I love I love Prize. That's good news, man. Good for them. I like those guys. John Prize is a great man. Um, <laughs> all right. Look, I'm having Falling Knife. We like Falling Knife. This is their Cumulonimbus um, Tropical Fruit Sour, and it is so tasty, you guys. You should definitely try to find it. It's like I love pineapple and beers, and this has it. Very nice. All right, guys. I am drinking Arbiter's Arbiter Brewing Co. Brand new. Um, my buddy Garth is one of the guys who founded this place. They just started up. They put out crawlers and a bunch of liquor stores. I got it at my favorite liquor store, Stinson. They have them there. Um, go check them out. Uh, this one is uh, Arbiter's Sucker Punch India Pale Lager. Oh. Freshly brewed. The cans look really cool. Go support them. Um, if you want to ever check out it out, the place looks freaking sweet. It's on Minnehaha Avenue in Minneapolis. I'm going to go ahead and say that can sucks. Wow. Why? Packers colors. 
Yeah, the Packers colors is my only issue with it, but the cans do look yeah. pretty No, good. the can is cool. The colors are stupid. I'm, I'm with you stupid. on that. All right, guys. We'll, we'll tell them to change it. Don't worry, Ryan. I don't want you to get offended. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh guess what's right around the corner, guys? The Nordic. Christmas. Oh, even better. Even better. The fourth annual Nordies. Let's save some small businesses with our immense power of our blessing of our Nordy. I mean, we, we, we basically we basically helped High High turn the corner, if we're being yeah. honest. We blessed High High. We took Centro, put them on the map. Let's go. We we saved uh, Black Sack. We saved Modest. Uh, Fair State was doing okay, but now they've like uh, gone to multiple locations. Um, they're now selling crawlers out of their St. Paul location. So yeah, I'm pretty me, sure Young Joni was going to close, and Ann Kim was going to go broke to totally until she got the Nordy. And now look at her killing it. Yeah, I mean we're not, uh, you know, Gordon Ramsay, you know, kitchen nightmares, you know, going in to try and save these businesses, but we're propping up the ones that we uh, we can hitch our or we can ride the coattails to the top. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course, of course. So that's coming. I can't wait. Plus, we get to pick our favorite movies, our favorite TV shows. Um, really, what what are categories? We got a bunch of them. I can't wait. We're setting it up now. More to come next week on the Nordies, but get excited! If there's a topic you really want us to rate for the year, let us know. All right, here we go, guys. We're dropping right into. Do we care? We're starting with Disney Plus, and that is going to be the Hawkeye show. And the first bit of news with that is that the rumor is that Hawkeye might go deaf mm -hmm. on his own show. Why do we think that? Um. There's just, you know, these are like internet leaks and then like they'll somebody will come through, some internet source will come through and be like, these are the same people that told us that, you know, whatever, Vision was going to also appear with, well, I don't know, some kind of news. So now they have the power to like come up with this shit. But I guess this is like a, a kind of a trope that they've gone back to over and over again in Hawkeye comics where he is deaf or becomes deaf. And so... It sounds like it probably is going to happen that that'll be something he deals with in his show that then he's sort of training a replacement because he's having trouble with things. And so that maybe is where Kate Bishop comes in, which is maybe your next point. So I don't want to jump it. Yeah. So yeah. Kate Bishop is coming into the show and she's his daughter, right? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, well, Kate Bishop is going to hopefully pick the and Haley Steinfeld will be playing. Uh, Kate Bishop. Is this exciting news to you guys? It is to me. She's a really good actress. Yeah, she's been she, in, was, uh, she was phenomenal in Bumblebee. Like she was yes. really, really good. Yes, so you know what we're talking about. Okay, so she was in Bumblebee. She was in True Grit. And then she was in like um, The Edge of Seventeen, which was also super underrated. Woody Harrelson was in that one. I like Kaylee Steinfeld. I think she's fantastic. Great personality. So I'm I'm pumped, man. I mean, just adding some kind of star power to this new Hawkeye show coming to Disney Plus. I suddenly, for no reason at all, have total faith in any show from a major franchise that Disney Plus has. That's good. I'm kidding. Because Mando, because Mandalorian has been above and beyond expectations. Yeah. All right. So to me, I care. I care about all this stuff. I care about both of those pieces. 
Oh yeah, I care. I care. Sorry, I was uh, asleep at the wheel there. I was googling Kate Bishop. Oh yeah, what's her deal? Did you figure it out? Um, she's the I don't know. She's the first female to take the Hawkeye name, so it doesn't say. I think she's just like a random, like awesome sword fighter, jujitsu, bow and arrow, you know, archery person, and mm-hmm. she just happens to be uh, next in line for for the hawk, the name of Hawkeye. Okay. Yeah, not his daughter, who is going to be a separate character, I think, in the show. So in other news, um, there was an interview a few months back where they asked Oscar Isaac about a movie or a role he was really interested in. And he said he was really interested in being in a Metal Gear Solid movie, is what he said. And they asked, they said, wow, that sounds cool. What character would you play? And he said, well, obviously, I'd play Solid Snake. Makes sense. And that just so happens to be... The casting for Solid Snake in the new Metal Gear Solid movie. Why should we care about this, Jim? Well, these are like, I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't. I mean, okay, Oscar Isaac is a big-time actor. He doesn't generally take roles and stuff that's going to totally bomb, right? So he's at least part of, like, blockbusters. So, you know, he did Star Wars. He's, he did Dune. And then if his next kind of big picture. And then is he going to be Moon Knight? Did we, did we yeah. decide that? Yeah. Moon Knight. So MCU. And now he's also going to do this um, big, you know, Activision or whatever the Konami, Konami um, adaptation. But we also have the fact that most video game movies fucking suck ass. So like, it's probably going to be bad. I think that Oscar Isaac is such a great Scotty Pippen. Yeah. Okay. He's a great number two in an action movie. Yeah. Maybe in Dune too, right? Yeah, but there's a, like the cast of Dune is like fucking, no, I know. you know, twelve Oscar winners. It's crazy, and he's an Oscar. Um, <laughs> okay, nice. Yeah, work. I'm excited about this. Um, it'll probably suck. Hopefully, it comes out on my TV. Do you guys I ever like? I, I played some of the games. Have you ever played any of the um, Solid Snake games? Isn't it something about a bus? No, I don't know what it's about though, because the games are batshit crazy. Okay. Go like look up. Go like just read the Wikipedia on any of the games. When you're playing it, you maybe have an idea of who's good and bad, but what they're doing and why none of it makes any fucking sense. These are the craziest stories of all time. So I'd be very curious to see how they adapt this into something that human beings can follow. Yeah, the only, the only, the only thing I didn't like about the games, I'm not a big third person. Uh, player, I think th- those are just okay for me. Um, it's, I mean, it's it's a cross between like a role playing game and a shooter, in a way, because there's a lot of like stealth. Yeah, uh, a lot of stuff into it, and I, I'm that's boring for me. Like where I gotta like lay on the ground while six guards pass by with their flashlights, and then I gotta sneak. You know, that's that's silly to me. Um, but I understand the appeal. Um, I think like this sort of militarized, um genre might be better than a lot of the video game adaptations because you can just kind of like make a military uh like extraction Mm -hmm. like make a fun sort of sandbox and shoot them up with like good action and i think it would play all right i think it would be okay yeah Uh, but like eric said oscar isaac's the number two can he carry something maybe maybe not he's never really had to do that in a big franchise if you want to call that call this that uh, I think anyway. it will it will feel like that because that's what they want out of it. I care. I care enough. Good casting. Sure. 
Next up, Gal Gadot is getting her own uh, original spy action series from the same people who did the Mission Impossible movies. Do you think this is a good casting, and are you excited to see whatever they come up with? For sure. Absolutely. Everybody always rips Hollywood for like only doing reboots, only doing um, you know adaptations from a comic book or a video game, which is everything we've touched on so far has been exactly that. And now we have this Heart of Stone, which is what it's going to be called, and it's new. And so like we should try to be excited, even though we have no reason to be because we don't know about it yet. But it's neither did no one knew anything about Indiana Jones until they just wrote it and made it, and now it's its own thing. So. Let's hope it's fucking good. No one knew, you know, Mission Impossible. Well, that was an adaptation, but, you know, they made it awesome. So I'm excited. I want to support it. Gal Gadot is amazing. Let's go. Let's hope it is, you know, in 20 years, they'll be rebooting it because it was so good. Yep. Agreed. I hope so. I care. Um, When there's money to be made, good stories get told. Okay. Unless it's Star Wars, apparently. Um. I mean, here's the thing. It's like what happened is like like some of our stories are so sacred to us that we are so offended if it isn't perfect. But like bad Star Wars and bad Game of Thrones and bad Harry Potter is like better than like 92% of things. I would agree. I, I would agree that it's like more – I mean it's at least – it at least keeps your eyes like glued to the screen. Bad games slays. <laughs> it just isn't. It just doesn't slay compared to good Game of Thrones. And yeah, fair enough. With all these things, like you know, it's like we we're so we 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 act like these stories are so sacred, but like in reality, they misstep sometimes on their storytelling too. And for the most part, when there's money to be made, they do a good job telling stories. And so, I would guess that this will be good. I care. I hope so, and I care. Yep. Same. All right, next up, taking a kind of a little turn here, um, Ellen Page is now Elliot Page. And I think this is a huge win for the world, for obviously the LGBTQ community, obviously for, you know, people around for the him. world who she's going to be a hero to. And everyone who is making fun of this or is being an asshole about this um, would never see, would never have seen an Elliot, Ellen Page movie and will never see an Elliot Page movie. And it's just, it's such a lame move to be a douche about this. Elliot Page will not affect your life unless you are a person who is going through a similar transition and you should applaud someone's bravery instead of making it a punchline of a joke. So to me, this is a real positive and hopefully it will be a successful story in Hollywood uh, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. Sounds like this is something that's been coming a long time. Um, you know, we had the the Wachowskis pretty prominent in Hollywood. Both of those, um, you know, tra- brothers transition, uh, and it, it was all it's all very positive. So yeah, you know, Ellen Page is Elliot Page, and I hope that sh- he can find ways to continue to work. And it's really inspiring. So we're all for it. Yeah, I also. And I text my wife this immediately after I found out was that I hope, um, you know, we, we got, I don't want to say this. How do I say this? We were exposed to this initially, I think in a, in a actor that was playing this openly or sorry, an actress with euphoria. 
Mm-hmm. And I hope this becomes more mainstream uh, for the sake of my kids and the world so that it becomes normal. Like the first time there was a gay character on a TV show, it was probably like a huge deal. And the network got all these phone calls and all this stuff. And I want it to just be like, uh, yeah, they're transgender. Um, this is the scenario for them. This is why they feel this way. And I can explain it to my kids and other people that don't understand or have a closed mind. And I want it to become normalized. I want it to become part of mainstream Hollywood that Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter whether they're male, female, um, non-binary, they're transgender and they're transitioning or, you know, uh, whatever the situation is, just be like, they're really fucking good at their job. They're really good actors or actresses. And I enjoy watching them on the screen. I don't care how they identify or how, you know, any of that stuff. I just want to see really good on-screen performances. So I, I, I just want people to not care about any of that. Well, so Kelly's Theron signed an exclusive deal with HBO Max. Does this move the needle for you guys at all? Dude, HBO Max is on fire. They can do no wrong right now. I mean, they are the second, the second, the second best streaming service, though, right, Jim? Oh, I, dude, I will concede that absolutely. They have like eight or ten movies coming out next year that I probably. Five of which I would have gone to theaters to pay for. Can you? And the other ones I may have rented. Can you go in depth so, on that a little bit? That's that's some new news. What can you tell well, us? Well, real real quick, real quick. The Sh- the Charlize news is big because I think they're trying to do the Netflix thing um, a little bit more and get exclusivity to specific people. And I think that's a really good shrewd move on their part. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have any idea what. Charlize is going to be working on or anything like that, but I feel like it's a it's a bigger deal um, that HBO is is not signing shows and then attaching people to them. They're signing people and then attaching projects to them in that way, which I think works for Charlize Theron. Maybe maybe like you know projects are written with her in mind or projects can be built around her she's a big star not a lot of people do that usually like a director wants to work with a writer wants to work with a choreographer or a you know cinematographer they start working on something and then they maybe they write it with somebody in mind so this was a little surprising to me that an actor i've seen comedians do that well yeah they do a one-man stand-up and they got it right or like directors who create their own projects you know or ryan murphy an executive producer who can produce something so a little different to see this with an actor but you know, um, I guess we'll see some probably pretty awesome stuff from Charlize Theron coming up on HBO Max. I'm all for it. I think this is just like the new wave of Hollywood. And, you know, things are constantly evolving. And I feel like this is just um, like uh, Noah Hawley signing with, you know, such and such uh, because they want to produce two TV shows in four years, you know, or something like that. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's a good thing because then they have a little bit more creative license as opposed to what well, we we signed you and now we own the rights to the show. So we get to nitpick and and change it and do whatever. And I think um, this is going to lead to a little bit more creativity and maybe some more memorable uh, TV shows and movies. So let me just run through quickly. All the crazy ass movies that are coming to HBO for no extra cost. I couldn't believe it. 
The, the first one is is coming in this month, December. It's coming up towards the end of the month. Three Wonder weeks. Woman, 1984. Huge. Absolutely. That would have been a theater movie for me. I don't know about you guys. Theater movie. 100%. Day, day of day opening. Yeah. Okay. I agree. Um, let's get into it. Suicide Squad. I think that's a that is a movie that I would probably go to the theaters to see. I did depending see on maybe early reviews, right? Like let's see. But I like did the last one in theaters. Yeah, but that one was trashed. We got a whole new group. I no, I'm saying I saw the last one in theaters. <laughs> you, you saw right. the non the non James Gunn version. Dude, we got Godzilla versus Kong, which is actually perfect because that is something I would not have paid to see, but now I will watch it night one. We'll watch um, it. The Conjuring sequel. Don't care too much. I will watch it on here. We got Tom and Jerry, a kids movie. I will watch it on here with my kids. We got Mortal Kombat, which I'm actually might be all right. Here's another one that we would have paid to see in theaters. Dune. Hundred percent. Hundred percent would have seen that in theaters. Twice. That's insane. Um, we got Matrix Four. Probably gonna suck ass. Speaking of the Wachowskis. Day one. But we're gonna watch it right away. Um, Space Jam, A New Legacy. Big movie. Wait, I might buy the jersey. You need to chill out. Um, and then we got The Many Saints of Newark, which people don't remember this. Remember when James Gandolfini's son, is an, he was also an actor, is going to play a young Tony Soprano in a prequel to Sopranos. That's that one. And that was along with a bunch of other shit. Like, uh, I don't know, fucking seven other ones that we don't need to mention. But this is crazy. This is huge. I love this. This is huge. So a, couple, a couple caveats to the deal, right? It's for this year only. However, if they see the subscriptions, you know, crawling up, you know, exponentially, this is going to be the wave of the future. Um, they're also only going to keep them on HBO Max for 30 days. Okay. And then it's going to be theater out. only. They could, put them right. in, they could put them on HBO Max for 10 days, and I think it was worth it. Yeah, for sure. They could, they could air it live one time, and I would clear my schedule to watch them. Yes. So yes. I'm, I'm super psyched about it. Um, I think it's a huge blow to AMC. AMC came out with this, all the theaters, the big chain ones. They came out with a statement. You know, I can't believe they would do this to me. We've supported them. We've played their movies. Well, obviously, you played the fucking movies so you could make money, too. It's not like you did them a favor. Um, so I don't know. I, it's it's a weird time. But I'm, you know, selfishly, I'm very excited. See, I don't want movie theaters to go out of business. I just want no movie theaters to go out of business. You just what? I just want a lot of them to go out of business. Okay. I don't care about <laughs> most of them. I want to be able to pay... I want to be able to go to a movie and it costs me $39.99 and I have a couple strong drinks, the most delicious popcorn I've ever had in my life, maybe a box of Bunch of Crunch and my seat vibrates and the screen is so big and the sound is so perfect. And I go three times a year and see the best movies. I want that to be an option still. But I mean, Jimbo, other than the vibrating chairs, that was basically what we did. We went like once a quarter. Well, my to, to, yeah, to a big movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And that was amazing. And I missed that. I was literally telling somebody about that the other day. It was like, dude, Ryan and I were good for like four movies a year. And it was awesome every single time. We had a great time. I, I missed that. I had that opportunity to be there for like the top notch movie watching experience to still be available. But yeah, I right. don't see most movies in theaters. Right. And of I'm course. Learning that. But like when there's like 
Avengers and they take on Kang the Conqueror and it's like a big freaking deal and someone's going to die and it's like a, one of the great movies I've ever seen. I need to see that in the theater on opening night. Like that's really important still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like imagine if you wouldn't have been able to see uh, Infinity War in yeah. theaters. I mean, it would have been, it would have been, I mean, I know, Eric, you're like a big advocate of like uh, Dunkirk was like perfect in theaters because of like the sound and all this stuff. But like, you would have been fine if you hadn't seen that in theaters. You would have been really bummed if you couldn't see Infinity War in theaters. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. Yeah, I think this is huge news, and I'm really excited about it. Thank you, HBO, for uh, making it even more worth it. Well, I mean, yeah, Warner Brothers for seeing the light of the future, but yes. Um, all right, guys, next up, we're moving into Hot Rex, and uh, today for Hot Rex, we're going to be talking about uh, His Dark Materials first. Um, his Dark Materials still, uh, even with maybe a step back episode here in, in episode three, mm-hmm. um, this story is cooking at this point. Um, how excited are you guys about the direction of His Dark Materials, and how essential does it feel to you? So I'll go first, just so Jimbo can give a more uh, in-depth point. But I will say, um, as a fan of the show, I thought the last episode was an A very easily. Um, the, the more on-screen exposition time for Lee Scoresby, played by Lin-Manuel Miranda, it's a sliding scale for like the more lines that he has the worst the episode is going to be. And that's where I felt this was at. There was too much of him trying to play uh, a broken uh, man, a broken child um, that was silly. And it kind of, the rest of the episode kind of got lost in all of that stuff. Uh, but I, I, I still think the story and the show are trending upward, even if the, even if that episode was a little bit of a, a step back, like Eric said. Yeah. No, I agree. And it's not the only it's not the only really great show to have, you know, a bad storyline or a bad character. Um, you know, Ozark has a couple of them and usually they take care of them. Unfortunately, in this, you know, they're not writing it per season. It's like Lee Scoresby has a role in the end game of the entire series. So they're kind of stuck with him. I don't see them recasting a name like Lin-Manuel, but it is a problem. Like he is not really able to deliver believable lines like it's I don't know why he's so bad. But it's not just makeup and costume, which makes him look like he's going to be this super badass Chris Pratt type. And he is like, I don't know. He's a Broadway guy. I don't know what to say. He's just not tough. He's like not the character. So anyways. Put in a great Lee Scorsby. I mean, Indiana Oscar Jones in his, in his prime. Like, I think he was sort of written to be like Harrison Ford in his in his prime. I mean, literally, like, Oscar Isaac. Like, think about how good he'd be in that. Being, like, kind of tough, but funny and cool under pressure and kind of, like, uh, just so, so many people. Um, like, like, just I should have asked him, like, Lin-Manuel, um, you know, do you – can you act? Well, I'm more of a singing guy. Okay, well, there's no singing in this movie at all, in this oh, show at all. No, I'm more of a rapping guy. <laughs> right, there's no rapping. I think we're good. So uh, I don't know. Let's let's not dwell on the negative because the the positive is so good in the show. Daphne Keene is unfucking believable. Her her relationship with the mom um is is as Coulter is so good. And they're leaving some of the heavy hitters on the bench with like 
Hot Priest, like the two main kids' dads are like major actors with James McAvoy and Hot Priest, who I still can't ever remember that guy's name, but you can picture him. Every show Hot Priest is in, I like. He's a banger, yeah. Every show that he is in, I like. He was Every in BBC Sherlock. show. He was in Sherlock. Yep. He was in um, Fleabag. Fleabag. Now he's in uh, His Dark Materials. Yeah. I, I am all in. You, so you know who we're talking about. And I don't know. So I, look, there's so much good in the show. And I'm so interested. They like leave it on these cool cliffhangers of their next mission is to like go into this mysterious tower and, you know, face this mysterious person. It's all about the mystery in the show as it should be, because that's how the books were. And I want the answers. I will continue to watch. I love the show. This, it, even if it's a step back episode, it, it's still a fantastic show. I love it. Jimbo, what's the, uh, who's the black guy that drives the Tesla that took the alethiometer? I mean, as an, the actor's name? No, the character. Well, I mean, so that guy is sort of like an operative for the for the ministry, like you know, the main for like, the magisterium, yeah, the magisterium, yeah. So he, you know, he works under their pressure, but he also like it's kind of cool. It's not, it's never that simple, right? So he has his own goals, sure, which I love. So I think he's he's done a pretty good job. I, I wasn't huge into him in the first season, and I think he's gotten a lot better too. That's what I was going to say is I, he was sort of, he had a little bit of a bit part in season one, mm-hmm. but now he's kind of playing a little bit more of a central role and I love him. I think he's very compelling. I like his voice. I like how calm he is when he's delivering things that are uh, not really above board. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where you feel like there's some sinisterness behind that. And I like the way he does that. I really appreciate his acting. Yeah. He's, he's been great. Um, Andrew Scott is hot priest. I may have never heard that name in my life. That's kind of what I thought too. Wow. <laughs> and honestly, I think so far my favorite um, for him is Moriarty. Yeah, he was okay as Moriarty. Oh, I liked um, I liked that Jared guy that was in um, Chernobyl better back in back in the day in those movies. In those he was really good. Don't know what you're saying. All right. That's Moving okay. on to another hot wreck. Um, Mandalorian is absolutely cooking. Yeah. At this point, if you don't have Disney Plus, I don't know if you even like good storytelling. <laughs> yeah, you fuckers. Mandalorian is so brilliant because I think that they nailed it. Um, my parents uh, have seen five of the Star Wars movies, there's 11. They've probably seen five of them and they're watching it and they're really enjoying it. And they're not nerds about Star Wars and they don't know that much and they're really enjoying it. Um, I have friends who are really nerdy about Star Wars and love it. It is giving you what you want if you want the deepest cuts and the Easter eggs and all of the, the secrets. It's also giving you what you want if you don't know that much about Star Wars. It is a brilliant show and I just think that um, we should apologize for considering giving the title to his dark materials. Uh, well, let's slow down a little bit. Let's see what happens. There's a lot more going on, and it's a longer show. There's just more hours. There's more actors. There's more everything with his dark materials. Eight eight episode seasons of his dark materials. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but they're hour long. 
Mandalorian's somewhere between 30 and 50 minutes. Uh, the longest episode ever, I think, was like 45 minutes. This week's episode was under 30 minutes. It averages about 35 or 40 minutes. It's a lot less. I just think that this is the most exciting thing on television since Game of Thrones. And it's got me uh, going into one of my other hot wrecks. I've been, I've been watching and trying to catch up on um, Star Wars Clone Wars, the cartoon show. Uh, mostly because I'm just curious to learn more about what's coming as Dave Filoni is the guy who created Clone Wars. He's the guy who did a lot of Rebels. And he is also in charge of a lot of the writing and the Star Wars side of things when it comes to Mandalorian. And so from what I'm hearing, people are watching Rebels and Clone Wars um, like crazy on Disney Plus right now. It's blowing up because everyone is so interested in Mandalorian and finding out more of this lore of the Jedi and the Sith. It is really exciting. It's really awesome television right now. It's what I, I listen. It's what I've been preaching. I don't know since Mandalorian season two started, which was we need more long form Star Wars. And I guess uh, the cartoons are cute, and you know I think it takes a pretty dedicated, uh, diehard Star Wars fan to be able to endure that amount of content. Um, but I feel like these Mandalorian stories are opening up a much much bigger universe, like an untold universe that needs to be shared. And I'm here for it. I'm glad. I mean, this, this to me feels like, uh, the first time you watched Iron Man. Um, I'm not going to get way. I'm going to still call him baby Yoda for now, but baby yeah. Yoda is somehow without speaking about as captivating of a character as there has been on television. And Mando, what's his real name? Jin, Pedro Jin, Pascal. Jin, I think. Oh, sorry. Um, he is, his love for Baby Yoda is the best thing going on television right now. They had like, like some little like interactive scenes, like where he was talking, like, I'm going to take you. <laughs> I'll, I'll find you where you belong, Baby Yoda. Like it was pretty cheesy, but I was into it. I am here for every one of those scenes. Like I need more of those scenes. Oh man. It was pretty intense this week. It was some good action scenes. Return of Boba Fett, which was pretty wild. He got his armor back. I mean, it was, it was cool. Like they don't do a big action set piece unless they know they have the budget to make it look cool enough. I think, would you guys agree with that? I think at this point, the budget is anything you want to do. Yeah. My guess, because my guess is, subscriptions are blowing up right now. Yeah. It's, it's the biggest show. That's why it's got the belt. I think that this, I think their budget is going to turn into, Oh, you want to do another battle two in the same episode? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. they, I mean, they want at this point, I think, I think the keys to the kingdom have been given to John Favreau and Dave Filoni. And that is so deserved because they are killing it. Star Wars has never been better. There's nothing that's ever happened in Star Wars that's as cool as Mandalorian. I think mm. with this this latest episode, I would disagree with that slightly, but that's a discussion for another day. I think that with this latest episode, you can see the budget starting to balloon slightly. You're getting um, longer, larger action set pieces that aren't necessarily CG. 
Um, they're bringing back characters um, and not just for fan service, for some like really kick-ass uh, retconning, if you will, maybe a little bit. Um, that That is just fantastic. It flows seamlessly on screen. It doesn't feel forced. It doesn't feel cheesy like some of the uh, Star Wars action from the from the le- the last three up, like the uh, six or uh, sorry, seven, eight, nine. Yeah, where like it felt hokey. Like this does not feel hokey at all. This feels real. The story is compelling and kind of devastating at the same time. And it's everything that you want Star Wars to be. And it's the mo- it's it's my most anticipated show every single week, I despite n- the fact that it's aired on Friday mornings. I need, <laughs> I need to know what you think is better Star Wars than Mandalorian. No, but you were saying like moments in. I, I thought you were saying like moments in Star Wars. I think there there have definitely been like cooler stuff that's happened um, than even some of the highlights in Mandalorian. But I don't think. I think this is the new direction and it's the best direction. It's it's that's well said. It is the best direction. This universe was made for like premiere television. Can I just say one thing that Ryan touched on though quickly? I wish that they waited until Friday night to, to drop it. Like they do with um, his dark materials because with this show, I can't even go on Instagram like at, 1 p.m. on Friday without having like an article headlined like what does the return of this major character mean for the rest of the show and I'm like what the fuck it just came out I'm working can you just be honest about where you're seeing it you're seeing it on reddit no I'm not I'm seeing it on instagram like reddit there's a lot of like hey if, if you want jimmy channels then I gotta follow and keep up with a lot of accounts that's post articles about the Easter eggs of this and the, you know, making of this and all that shit. I got to keep up, but they do not take a break. They assume everybody watches it at like one in the morning when it drops or whatever the hell. It's a pandemic. What else are you doing? Working, I think, or pretending to, but I can't be watching shows. Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. He says he's working, but then he says he can't go on Instagram in the middle of a Friday at one o'clock. So yeah. what are you what are you on Instagram or are you working? Because you hey can't man, do a little, a little flick flick on my little screen keeping up <laughs> is a little different than sitting down for you know forty minutes of like don't bother me this is intense. well listen I'm gonna reach out to Shining Star and uh, and find out where your where their money's being spent because apparently it's on Instagram at one o'clock on a Friday. Yeah, it's really expensive service to use. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Next up, uh, Jim, you watched Bombshell. Yeah, Bombshell. Who's in it? Okay, we got Margot Robbie, we got Charlize Theron, and we got Nicole Kidman. So big time, big time cast. And, you know, they're playing these Fox News anchors that all were sexually harassed, and they left, and they sort of had this big win against Fox News. And it was the ousting of, uh, who is that horrible guy? Bill O'Reilly. Um, no. Well, Bill O'Reilly went with, down with the ship, but it was mostly Roger, Roger, Roger Ailes. Ailes. Yeah. Roger Ailes played a uh, dude um really really a brilliant movie um i think that the maybe the main person is supposed to be um charlie's Theron as megan kelly and she does like a really she has prosthetics on her face and she does a really really weird accent to try to sound like megan kelly it's kind of like a deep voice guys like i'm megan kelly 
Like it's it's strange and it it's a little distracting. And I think that hurt the movie. But everybody else is fantastic. Whoa, 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 whoa. Is this is she playing Megan Kelly or Sarah Sarah Huckabee Sanders? <laughs> yeah, perfect. Sorry. That'll be the next movie. Sorry, that was rude. Um so okay, so first of all, is, Sarah Huckabee Sanders has never been harassed movie. at Fox News. I think it's an important movie. It's more than just about like literally a very realistic account, fact by fact, um, of like what happened throughout it. And by the way, who's who's the guy that plays Larry David's brother on the show? That guy with the big mouth that's super goofy. Jeff he, Garland? No, the brother that comes in every once in a while. He plays Rudy Giuliani, and it couldn't be more perfect. Uh, but anyways, I think this movie's a must-watch. I think you guys should watch it. Um, Margot Robbie is fantastic. Like she has like a like a scene where she's kind of breaking down over the phone to her friend, and it's like some of the best acting I've seen in a long time. I didn't know that Margot Robbie could act like this. She is great. So I think it's a must-watch movie. I think it's like a Probably like a B, but important, so that that makes it like more of a essential movie, you know. Anything calling out Fox News is uh, an A minus, right out Just of the gate in my book. Line. I haven't even seen one minute of it, and I already love it. Richard. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. That's perfect. Okay, Eric pulled it up. I don't know the guy's name, but you've seen him in a bunch of stuff. He. <laughs> um, so I would say watch this movie. I think it's on HBO Max right now. Is that true? HBO Max. So go check it out. Bombshell. Just it's just the best just the best streaming service available. Yeah. It is, and I'm not gonna argue with you anymore. It's over. All right, I don't need to say it anymore. Fair enough. No, you don't need to. Let's just let's just I'll concede. Sticking with HBO Max, Barter, you watched Euphoria. What did you think? Man oh man, not what I was expecting at all. Really? It was a trip. There were two scenes. Two scenes, one in an apartment in New oh. York City and one in, the, in a diner. And it's an hour long episode. The I'll, I'll give some of the highlights. The first scene is uh, Rue and Jules. And the second scene is Rue and uh, Ali, the the sponsor guy. The, you yeah. know, uh, what, I forget what it's called you know drug users anonymous drug users anonymous guy essentially um and it's a it's a deep hard tough to watch look at addiction and mental health and they lay everything on the table and the whole episode flies by like just me describing it as rue and dude talking about her addiction seems really boring. It is some of the most important and compelling conversation that two people can have on screen about what it means to be an addict and what it means to um, constantly go in these loops of how you talk yourself into it's okay. And and then you like, I want to get clean, but it's for the wrong reasons. And that's why I'm back here. And it is awesome. Like if, if you have, um, you know, Jimbo, your, you know, your, your wife is in, uh, you know, sort of the, the mental health, uh, you know, area and, and, and facilities and, and therapist. Yeah. Yeah. Therapy and like people helping people. I think 
having maybe never seen any of Euphoria would find this episode just enthralling. Like it's, well, it's she loves really, the show. It's one of the only shows I can get her to watch. Well, she's going to love this episode. She like loved it, it, and it's on our list. And I'm so glad you watched it because it's, it's like up next for me. Zendaya is amazing in this. I don't know. It, it almost feels like a, like a short, like kind of like a movie short, you know, if you will. Yeah. So um, this is like a, a, something they filmed. I mean, we had talked about this, right? So this is like, they're going to do two of these. And this is the first one. I guess the next one's coming next week, maybe. And it's sort of like, this isn't the second season, but this is sort of kind of these one-off like interludes that they're doing just to keep the hype going. And probably because they thought of something awesome to film, which apparently they did. So this is supposed to be like right after the season finale of, of the, you know, the regular season, if you will, this is the playoffs. Um, but this is, uh, man, I was captivated. Okay. I mean, again, it's just two people talking like in a diner for most of it. And it seems really boring on the surface, but holy shit, was it powerful. All right. Loved I'm on it, it dude. Well reviewed. I'm all, all right. about it. Do you guys know what time it is? Uh, no. Time for. Not sure that's what I was looking for. Eric, you got the wrong music again. <laughs> hard rewatch with a vengeance. Uh, we're gonna do our our review of Die Hard. I realized halfway through playing that that it was from 2018. And I think it was a rap album from some random rapper. Okay, that was, <laughs> nice work. That was John McClane Die Hard Two. All right, that's a all right. Um, all right. So, anyways, um, we watched Die Hard two this week and die harder as it should be called but it's not this movie was absurd okay so it all starts out with he is uh right before christmas he's gonna pick his wife up from the airport uh he and holly have mended things i mean you get a lot of subtext between yeah, there's the, there's the, the patching of the relationship from being on the rocks and separation and all that stuff it has been off screen. It has been mended. The fences have been mended. Yes. So they are fully together. He is now, he has moved to LA to be with her and his family. And he's but now he's visiting California. New York. I think he's, he's visiting DC. That's oh, that's Washington. what it is. It's Dull- Dulles Airport. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So he's in DC. And um, in this movie, he gets his mother in law's car towed instantly. To start the movie, which was really strange. Yeah. Uh, and then he goes inside and something isn't right. This dude must be paranoid all the time because he is looking at every single person. He's like, and, and of course he's right, but it's like he cannot turn off his cop button. I was just absolutely stunned by this movie. So um, pretty much he, he meets someone, he recognizes them. He notices these sketchy people around. He sees a guy go back into a, a restricted area, and he follows him in there with his police badge, gaining entrance. And he sees these people messing with the bags in the area there. He starts a fight with them. They start shooting at him, and then he murders one of them. Oh, yeah. In pretty yeah. brutal fashion, the, uh, should we call it the luggage smasher? I didn't know that there was such a thing. But it looks well, like that, I mean, that was one of my notes. It was literally like, okay, so the conveyors are going up and down, 
and they're having a fight on them, and then someone gets their head crushed at the end. Where have we seen this in one of our rewatches recently? This uh, is, Temple of Doom. This is the Temple of Doom scene, literally recreated, except for they had to insert some like something that smashes luggage, which obviously would not exist. I, I've never seen a luggage smasher in my life, but it's something that they use to flatten the luggage before it ships down to the conveyor belt. Well, of course they I don't. don't. Know. I mean, like they just installed this thing so they could crush somebody's head at the end. I mean, it's so stupid. Of course. Yeah. Very dumb. So the dude, yeah, he kills the dude. The other guy escapes. He loses his gun. He loses his gun on a conveyor belt. And then five minutes later, someone else was like, hey, I found your gun and your badge. Like, what? His gun is on the plane to Newark. Like, that gun is long gone. (laughs) Yeah. That's the, if you're worried about that, boy, you're in for a long ride. I know, but this was, this was when you're 15 minutes into the movie and that's where you're at. It, you know, it's a long ride. You are hoping for some sense of, gr- you know, groundedness, but it ain't going to, you're not going to find it in this movie. No, no. So here's my thing. Um, what I really noticed about this was that John McClane has the exact same access as a white supremacy group. Okay. How's that? Um, he can just walk up to any police officer in just street clothes and be like, I'm a cop. I'm going to walk around with a gun out and just like be part of the police shit. <laughs> like, literally, like, he's like the fucking cow Rittenhouse kid. Like, he's like, oh, I hate black people, so I'm going to walk around with a gun. Well, okay, hold on. Just a small <laughs> point of order on that. I think because of the Nakatomi Plaza incident, when he says his name, he's got a lot more street cred than Kyle Rittenhouse. I, I think people recognize about some fucking crooked ass police and some white nationalists. No, but I, th- I think, I think he has, I think he's, he's got some name recognition, which is why it carries a little bit more weight than just like, hey, I'm a random cop from New York City. So yeah, he's famous. I mean, he's pretty much famous. They talk about his Dateline appearances. He was on 60 Minutes. Um, he was all over the place. So he was very famous from the Nakatomi incident. So eventually, um, I don't even remember how because this movie was so asinine. But they end up having this scene where there's, like, um, police officers are going, like, SWAT officers are going to, like, confront um, people. And the people end up being painters that are, like, hiding. And they're, like, not complying to things. And they end up... Okay, so let me, let me stop you. So yeah. what, what they were going to do was that the terrorists had disabled all communications in and out of the Dulles Airport... Uh, tower right so they were not able to talk to any of the planes they were not able to hear from any of the planes and so head head uh let's just call him head communications guy for the radio tower realized that there was a satellite antenna um at this other area of the airport what do they call it the annex or something like that and so he was leading uh uh, with John McClane in tow, I'm not sure why, and the SWAT team, they were going to go out to this um, annex antenna and they were going to reestablish communications that way. And so they ended up in this area of the airport that was being like worked on, was being fixed up or, you know, is under construction, if you will. And yeah. then that's where the painters come in. Yes. No, that makes sense. Um, 
they absolutely light up the SWAT team. Like they light them up. But what I will say also is, the, the SWAT team that never ducks behind cover for any reason. They're constantly standing up in the open. They're the worst SWAT team on earth. They deserve oh, to die. The scenes were much worse. And by the way, did you guys catch Terminator 2 in that scene for a second? This must have been before Terminator 2, but remember oh, the Robert guy? Patrick. Yeah, yeah Robert he Patrick was in there. Yeah, popped he popped up and got shot very quick by John. T1000. Yeah. Yeah. So what I noticed about this was that John McClane comes into the scene and he literally spends like 15 seconds rolling on the ground, like surrounded by people. He's rolling just on his side with no weapon. And they're like, and they can't hit him. But every time he rolls and stops and shoots, he kills somebody else. He rolls, stops, shoots, kills somebody else. Rolling, he's just in the open on his side, slowly moving, and he's just shooting everyone. He's shooting into the rafters. He's shooting to the ceiling. He's shooting behind things. He's killing <laughs> everyone, and he's just rolling over. It was astonishing. Oh, and well, I think you, I think you miss a little bit when he was doing the rolling. He was shooting, so he was like, he would like roll from like front and then go on his back and then roll on his front and then like pop off a couple rounds. And then continue to roll and aim at the guy that was in the scaffolding, uh, who couldn't miss. By the way, guy was a sharpshooter. Yeah. Um, John McClane had, uh, I mean, he was like in God mode. He had unlimited ammo, oh, as far as I know. Sure, did I notice? I that. don't think he. I don't think he reloaded until four minutes after the the scene started. Okay, so eventually they find out that they're going to like land planes with the wrong information so that they crash into the ground really hard. And okay. so everyone's like, Oh, there's nothing we can do about it. And then John McClane's like, I need to go outside right now. And so literally their entire plan of all of these people was that John McClane ran outside at night with two flares and waved his arms as a plane barreled into the ground. I, mean, I didn't not, mind that because I'm like, at least somebody's doing something. Not, and not even two flares, Eric. It was two metal pipes that had like <laughs> cotton wrapped around the end of it yeah. that he lit with his Zippo. And yeah. it was like trying to do semaphore for a, you know, 30 ton and, plane barreling we, down. When at this him. plane came down and every 300 people died, were you guys shocked? I was like, oh my gosh, a movie that just, I mean, even Thanos snapping away half of the people in the world wasn't as horrible as terrorists <laughs> killing an entire plane of people. And then did you notice this? I think that like maybe American audiences weren't as like triggered by that because it was all British people. They made the plane all British people. Yeah. And then it was like not supposed to be as big a deal and you could move past it quicker. Do you think that's true? But 300 people fucking died in a plane in the middle of the movie. It was crazy. They absolutely just exploded. They just ignited <laughs> the ground. Oh, God, but, yeah. Like, I was like, wow, this would never happen in a movie now. Like, no. this, this would be, like, extreme. That would be the one thing you're trying to, like, prevent, right? But instead, the movie has to be so big that he's not only trying to save that one plane, which nobody did. They died. But like 50, uh, 14 other planes or something, including one with his wife on it. Because, you know, apparently they can do that to all of them. They're all running out of gas and it's just I'm a sorry. whole thing. I'm sorry, but like, let's be serious. In this movie, the news was like, a plane crashed and a bunch of people died. We'll be back with another story later. And that was like it. Yeah. <laughs> it just like wasn't even a big deal. 
you can definitely see the uh, the the pre nine eleven uh, plane terrorists genre, which mm. was big in like from like eighty five to like ninety five. Like that that was a a big thing. Like Chuck Norris had a few movies with that. I mean, there, there are a bunch one, of like you know Air Force Air One. Yep. Yeah, there was tons of like plane terrorism that was like totally acceptable yeah. in that era. And before it now, happened. Now you can't touch that with a ten foot pole. I mean, nobody wants to. You got you got Chesley, you know, Sullenberger landing a plane in the Hudson. That's as close as we're going to get to like a plane crash uh, movie in the modern era. Yeah, that's that's fair. So what else we got? I mean, we don't need to run through every plot point because it gets kind of silly. I can't even run through them all. I mean, yeah. eventually. He's on the run from these people. He finds them in this house, this church that they've set up shop in. He fights a person in a fist fight. He, the cops are absolutely absurd yet again. Um, Worthless. And uh, it ends up with, um, I don't know, things all blowing up everywhere. Uh, my favorite part is the very end of this, though, where he tries to stop a plane he fights someone they all surround the plane with guns he shoots himself um away from a bunch of grenades that don't go off for about two and a half minutes yep that was crazy the longest the longest this fused is not grenades the end of the in the history of the world this is like there's still another 40 minutes left in the movie yeah this is the end of the second act eric yeah <laughs> if you shut it off be like wow he escaped amazing <laughs> end <of the> movie. <laughs> um from the, this then they eventually, they escape, they get to a plane, and he decides, not only do I care about um, making sure my wife is safe, I also need to kill these bad guys. So he goes- Hey, hey, Eric, that's part of the lines. He hate, I hate to lose. He climbs onto a plane. He fights against the one guy, the one military uh, Okay, guy. hold on. He doesn't, fl- he doesn't climb onto a plane. He is dropped- from a news helicopter onto the wing of a moving plane. So let's, I just want to set the scene a little bit clearer. Um, he, he literally uh, is on the wing of a plane coming from a news helicopter. The, the traitor military general comes out to finally end him. He throws that dude through the engine. Yep. <sighs> Another into- reference to um, Indiana Jones, although that was the first one. So well, here we go. Guy's blood soup. Then the other guy comes out and is like, nah, it's my turn to take care of him. This um, and, and and this is this is the naked guy from the opening of the movie that's doing like Taekwondo nude in the mirror, doing his Taekwondo on John McClane. Hell yeah. This part was wild. They end up fighting. John McClane ends up falling off of the plane. And then there's he, but before he fell off, he opened up the gas thing that was on the wing. For the fuel, the fuel line. Yeah. The fuel line on the wing. He opens it up. It spills fuel for the longest time. And then instead of being like, whatever, I'm just going to let these people live. He lights the fuel streak on fire, blowing up the plane, murdering all of these soldiers, killing all of them. And then he laughs hysterically. I love it. <laughs> yeah, because the the beauty of it is, Eric, that was that plan was twofold. Not only did he destroy all the terrorists, and which, by the way, there's they, they can't ask them any questions at this point and figure out what the whole point was. But yeah. what comes next? 
all the other planes have a place to land now, Eric, despite the fact that there's flaming wreckage at the end of the runway mm -hmm. that you would never be able to land on that same runway for a million years. 15 planes are going to land in succession on this runway. And not only do they land, but they stop at the end of the runway and like kind of skid off of the, you know, in the snow. Uh, so yeah, they, they never really explained how the rest of the planes landed on that runway. Um, considering the fact that the other planes just landed and just stopped in the middle of it, yeah. which was amazing. This actually leads me into my favorite part of the movie where he then spent the next three minutes being like, Holy! Holy! Yeah. Holy! Oh, we, we also forgot right before he lit up the plane, he gave the famous line, Yippee-ki-yay, motherfuckers. Yep. That must happen. He also gave a line at one point in the movie where he's like, how can the same shit happen to the same guy twice? Because <laughs> it's a sequel, man. You're meta already at the second movie. Yeah. Right, what would you guys rate this movie out of out of uh, Rotten Tomatoes for? I so a, I sent you guys. I sent you guys the text that I was an hour in and it was at 27. I think I I landed on like 19. Oh. And I feel like uh, that's I feel like that's pretty generous. Yeah, I think it was a like a 58. It's no not, way it's not was it fresh is rewatchable like this movie really leaned into um like sort of things that got outdated okay so they leaned into like technology is pretty crazy there's self there's phones on planes you know like they leaned into that they leaned into pop culture shit it doesn't it doesn't stand the test of time nearly as well as die hard it is everything wrong with late 80s early 90s action flicks they mm -hmm. they have uh, if there's a ch if there's a, a bad action movie bingo die hard hits i mean it's the coverall yeah. of everything i mean we didn't even talk about sipowitz before he was sipowitz like yeah. the guy uh, dennis franz playing sipowitz pre nypd blue like all of this stuff is so bad I can't believe he got that job after this movie. He was so bad in this movie that I can't believe that like someone saw him and was like, you know what? We need him to be the starring like show of CBS's, you know, brand new like tent pole. Like what? And he was pretty good on that. Well, maybe maybe he did enough to say like, okay, let's let's dial it, you know, in this direction a little bit more. But he was basically playing the same guy. I mean, it was just, it's abysmal. Like, everything about this movie, there's no way, Jimbo, you can give this movie a fresh. No, no. way. But I don't think, yeah, no, it's... Movie right, one, fine. 42. Movie one, 87. Movie 2 I gave... Or, movie 1 I gave an 81. Movie 2 I gave a 27. Wow. Movie okay. 2 yeah, I meant, a bad movie. Like, it was I'm, like, excited, I'm at 19. I'm excited for the third movie. I don't think we should... I think we should get over this quickly like this rewatch i'm not sure where it's going i'm this excited for a, the next one one oh, more no. week eric one more week let's do die hard three it's totally different one more week this is, we have to be done we have eric, to this is done. a this this is a double bogey on a par three at the masters like you need to put you need to forget it yeah. and move on there's a lot of golf left i think i think you're gonna enjoy die hard with a vengeance it's it goes back to being um, while it's a campy action flick, it's still 
10 times better than Die Hard 2. Like easily. Like it, I'm, maybe that's not saying much. It, it, is a, it is significantly better than Die Hard 2. And you know what's weird about it? There's a bunch of like crazy racial stuff that I'm so curious to see how it holds up. Oh my god! Remember when he has to put the sign on that says like the I sandwich hate, board? Yeah, I hate n words or something like that, and he has to like walk into Harlem or something. Like it's also, gonna be wild, get, you guys. We kind of get peak Samuel L. Jackson. Hell like, yes! This, Young this Sam, is when he was. Really? Yeah, yeah. I think this is uh, this is gonna be really good. I think it's it's much more enjoyable and less silly than Die Hard Two. Yep, absolutely. Can't wait. Okay, all right, guys. Well, there's only one thing to do now, and that is to do replay, the, replay, replay, replay the Die Hard Two theme song. <laughs> <laughs> there's only one thing to do, and that is to play Die Hard Two album by John McClane. Not I thought you were going to say Chance the Rapper. That's yeah. the right way. No, don't play it. Yeah, we can't even hear it. That makes no sense that that's a real song. Yeah. It was it was wrong. I was wrong. All right, guys, here we go. Nordy's rates. We're going to okay. go through eight things right quickly sent in by our listeners. Um, we're going to start with McNuggets. Oh, McNuggets. Wonderful. McNuggets are the best chicken nuggets. I'm going to give them a 92 right off the bat. I feel inspired. Oh. Wow. I'm inspired. A little honey. I go honey dip. Not honey mustard, which is fine. This is honey. Pop, pop, yum. I'll get a 10-piece. Whoa, so whoa, good. whoa, 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 whoa. You dip your McNuggets in honey? Honey. My problem, honey. My problem honey. with McNuggets is that... Amazing. Uh, Try it. I don't know any of the sauces that they currently have, so I can't really order McNuggets because I can't really tell you. They're like, what sauce would you like for that? And I'm like, uh, a good one. Just say What's honey, dude. What other sauce is there? They have like sweet and sour. It's McDonald's. Sweet and sour. Sweet and sour. We're rolling from Mc, We're talking about McDonald's, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you don't get their barbecue sauce. No. You don't dip them in ketchup. No. You don't dip them in mustard. Uh, mayo's out. It's sweet and sour sauce in the green packet. Uh, they don't do Szechuan sauce except for when Rick and Morty makes it popular for like a minute. Okay. Okay. Uh, I tried, by the way, and it was damn good. Here are their current sauces: tangy barbecue sauce, spicy no. buffalo, nope, creamy ranch, honey mustard, nope. honey, nope, sweet and sour. Are their current sauces sweet and sour? Out of all of those, and it's not even close. No, sweet and sour is good, but just go with honey. It's so good. Even my fries find some honey sometimes. You know what I'm saying? All right, so um, you're going 92. I'm gonna go 79. Oof. I think that's a little low. I think it's a, it's an 85. Um, I mean, you can't, if you are even slightly hungover and you need a little, little cure that like nine piece nugget meal with some fries and a Coke, regular Coke, not diet, regular Coke. will put you right back on top. It would. I don't know where the nine piece is coming from, but. Oh, I thought they had a nine piece. I thought that was their, uh, their like main value meal was the nine piece. It may be a number nine, but it is certainly a 10 piece. You're okay. Sorry, I'm 10, not piece. Sure you're 10, really piece. 10 piece. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, sorry. I, I missed it by one. Jesus Christ. Give me a break. <laughs> <laughs> if, you get, if you worked at McDonald's, you'd get fired. 
I day think, one for I fucking up the nine piece. Oh, oh, really? I would get fired at McDonald's for leaving one nugget out of the whole thing? Out of I, all the I, orders I, that they screw up, I'm getting fired for one nugget? <laughs> I'm saving the company money, Jim. Give me a break. They would prom- I'd get promoted to manager instantly. I think you our would. State Fair t-shirt this year is Nordy's podcast on the back, nine-piece nugget. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, guys. Up. Stranger Things. Mm. Ooh, currently, man, started off, started off like '94, like real strong, amazing. Season two, not as great. Uh, maybe a little bit of a step back. Hard to capture the same nostalgia and magic. I think season three was a little bit higher. I'm gonna go like. 86 overall. I'm going to drop that down just a little bit. 84. It's still nice to watch. I look forward to it. Um, I don't think it's quite. uh, I I just don't know if they have the surprises left in them anymore, but yeah, good show. 84. I'm going to Steve's Steve's hair, Steve's hair, Steve's peak hair with the baseball bat Mm -hmm. was with a fair top top. I mean, his hair is still two. Two of the points that I gave the show are from Steve's hair. So, like, you can imagine me at eighty-two without his hair. I'm gonna Fair. say seven. I was gonna say eighty-five to split the difference, but I'm going eighty-seven. Stranger Things is a great show. Can't wait for right. season. All right, uh, next up, Legos. Hmm, Legos, Legos, Legos. That's cool. Legos are great. Expensive though, huh? Really expensive. I what saw the fuck? like. Oh, a deal right now. If you want to buy the Roman Coliseum, it's only going to be $399 right now. And I was like, do people buy that? I think they do. They people, do buy it. People do that. I mean, Legos are great. I'm going to go with a straight 90. I think it's it's a little bit of a boring score, but I think it represents where Lego lives in American collective, right? It's It's a great toy. People somehow consider it kind of educational or like, you know, kids are going to become like an engineer if they play with a lot of Legos. Maybe not true, but, uh, you know, good for them. 90. A lot of great crossovers as well with video games and movies. So I played a ton of Legos and I never would have made it an engineer. Um, no, I think it's a, I think it's a really strong toy. Um, I find it weird when adults are super into them. Um, I get it. It's like a, it's like a different kind of puzzle, right? So yeah, maybe it's a little more adultish in that or, or a little but more complex. Than, it just takes time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's very, you're not going to fuck it up. Yeah. You know and I mean? you need it's to like, have patience and I don't. So, okay. um, but I love helping um, like my kids when they do Legos. I think it's, I think I find that very rewarding when they're like, Oh, where should this piece go? And then you look at the instructions and you're like, Oh, it's got to go this way. And then you fix it and then they're able to continue on, you know, for themselves. I find that like really cool. And, and the kids love Legos. So for me, um, I'm right on board with that. I'll go like, uh, uh, 86. I think they're, I think they're great. Lady Legos, uh, 81. All right. Uh, next up we're going with, um, sweet and sour sauce. Oh, well, that's a nice coincidence. You know what? I don't want to go throw to Ryan or me then. I want Eric to lead this off. What are your thoughts on sweet and sour sauce? Sweet and sour sauce. Is it an Asian sauce? Is it an American food sauce? I'm not sure. Sweet and sour sauce gets a solid 67. Oh, that's not solid at all. Um, but let's. <laughs> I, well, it's a fresh. So, 
it's above 58. It's a <laughs> yeah, but like positive. when you get if you if you yeah. order from like you know Hop Sings or whatever, and you get the uh, the the sweet and sour chicken, and you could dip it in their like pink bioluminescent sweet and sour sauce, Is it epic like that. It's just food, and then you dip it in average sauce. It's still good food. Okay. <laughs> all right. So you like plain fried chicken with no sauce at no. all? Is no. what you're saying? Hell not. Nah. So what do you if you get sweet and sour chicken from a, a Chinese restaurant? What what sauce do you put on it or in it or i think i'm a sesame chicken guy yeah me too me too i mean if i was uh, where's the where's the end session button on here how do you how do you cancel the remainder of the or episode? a general sow which is the same fucking thing as sesame chicken i don't think there's a difference and they're both great are the same chicken both delicious yeah <laughs> all right i'm gonna give uh i'm gonna give sweet and sour sauce a 70 one just fine just fine nice it is a 90 whoa one minimum wow sweet and sour sauce makes the meal and don't give me honey get out of here with your honey all right guys people are getting the holiday spirit we're gonna start with hot chocolate okay i might be a downer on this one i want someone else to start all right i'm gonna go first i will uh i will say that like, I don't seek out hot chocolate, but man, after like shoveling the driveway or the walk and like, or the kids are outside playing and you're like really cold and you come in and you, you have a little hot chocolate and you don't, and uh, Jimbo, this might work in reverse for you because it's chocolate and it might keep you up. But instead of having coffee <laughs> late at night, instead of having coffee late at night, I can have a hot chocolate and still get that like warming feeling. It's like a, it's like a solid 74. Hey Ryan, uh, are you a grown up? You ever heard of Scotch? Does the same trick. Um, hot chocolate. I'm only gonna give a 53. It's it's okay for me. I think the idea of hot chocolate's great. When you're a kid, it's great. As a grown up, does very little for me. I'm gonna skip it almost every time. What if somebody else makes it for you and hands you a cup? I will drink um, like one inch of it, maybe, and leave three or four inches. What if there's some Bailey's in it? I will drink the whole thing, but I'll be like, <laughs> yeah, then I'll drink it. It's different. That That's not what we're all talking right, about. Right. I know. I know. I'm just, I was just, <laughs> I was just asking a little more probing question. That's all. That's true. Okay. I'm going to go hot chocolate. I'm going to go 84, 84. Strong. Wow. Strong, Strong score. Hot chocolate. Okay, guys. Next up, we have claymation Christmas movies. Ooh. Wow. All right, Eric. Eric, you maybe go first. you start yeah. then. Okay, claymation Christmas movies are mostly terrible. Um, people have a fond memory of them because you watch them when you when you like Christmas movies the most. Um, that doesn't mean that they're good. They're really pretty terrible. I'm Mr. Heat Miser. Whatever I touch starts to melt in my clutch. I'm too much. I'm going fifty-eight. <laughs> Wow, he's got whole lines and lyrics. My God! So what is there? There's there's, there's Frosty the Snowman. There's the reindeer one. Rudolph. Yeah. And that's it. Rudolph. There's a Heat miser, snow miser, and you're the Santa Claus. They're pretty great characters. Dude, but these for me. I mean, I'm not gonna give them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it a 51 because they're not inherently bad. 
it is just so not for me. It is so boring to me. Yeah, that's that's pretty fair. I mean, I'm sure my parents had the same feeling, and your parents had the same feeling watching them when you were kids. Of like, ugh, Christ, where's my Bailey's and hot chocolate to get me through this? <laughs> um, yeah, there. It's like mid fifties, like fifty five. That's fine, but okay. they're in, inherently pretty terrible. Yes. Okay, uh, Christmas cookies. Wow. First I mean, of all, let me say, Christmas cookies are overrated. They are I, made. I a lot. They're made for two reasons, three reasons. Okay, they're made to number one to look a certain way. Whenever you have a food that's made to look a certain way instead of taste a certain way, you got a problem. It's made for people to do an activity together. Which, when people are doing an activity together, it's not about the outcome. It's about the activity. And finally, it's made to trade and flex on people a little bit. I'm the neighbor or family member that makes a lot of different cookies and brings them to people. That's what they're for. They're not for eating, really. How many times do you have leftover cookies that are just like shit? And Okay, uh, the Russian tea cakes, literally inedible. Um, You have the the peanut butter with the, the Hershey thing, way overrated. You have like the dry sugar cookies that have like some kind of like gummy ass frosting on it. Really not edible. Um, the Oreo truffle things, bomb as shit. Um, the Rice Krispie ones, very good. Overall, very overrated. It's not a negative thing. This is a positive thing. It's a 65. I think you're uh, you're also like forgetting a few, which is like nostalgia. Like this is grandma's recipe, you know, and so we got to make them because that's what she would have wanted, you know, kind that's of thing. reason to do it that isn't about eating the cookie. Right. It has nothing to do with the flavor. Like, oh, well, no, she uses, uh, you know, chicken lard in the, the, and you're like, well, I mean, we have just butter. Can we just use butter? You know? And and so like, I agree that most of the stuff like, and people make this like toffee, you know, this like hard caramel toffee, which Jimbo, I don't even want to get into it with that. You can't even, you can't even touch that. Tooth right out of her mouth. Yeah, <laughs> shut the fuck up. Um, there are some that I do like. Um, I do like the like the the regular cookies with like just the like the really good frosting. I know I I, I know you said they're inedible, but like some of the ones are really good. I do like Lefsa. That's not really a Christmas cookie, but like I do I do like some of the I do like some of the Christmas flavors in things. But yeah, but you're right. The most of the Christmas cookies are just like you're eating them for posterity to make someone feel good. Like, oh yeah, yeah, your spritzes are really good this year, and it's God, like it's trap. the same crumbly garbage that I've had year over year. Okay, so what's your I, score? Sixty-seven. Wow. Yeah, if I had to, if I had to pick between the, the the Christmas cookie lineup or the Keebler cookie lineup, Keebler is kicking that ass. I want Christmas cookies sixty-two. Wow. Yeah, that's perfect. All right, guys, final one of today, Nordy's Rates. We went a little long, but that's because we're having a good time. Nordy's Rates, we're going to go to a place I don't know if Barter can even rate, but I know Jim can because this is where he lost his virginity. That's Coon Rapids' own Cheapskate. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a setup. You are – wow. Uh, so <laughs> I'm supposed to just defe- – should I just let that go and just have everyone assume that that's true? Yeah, just let that go. 
the, the I'm assuming I'm assuming it's true. Capital of of the north of middle Minnesota. Um, it's like uh, it's like Lookout or uh, Make Out Mountain. You know, this is where people went in Coon Rapids or Anoka. Wow. To make out with chicks, to bird dog chicks. This is where you went if uh, this is where you went with your parents somehow when you weren't old enough to go a place without your parents, but you weren't even safe with your parents being there. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> there yeah. was a lot of rooms with like keyed lockers that were like in real dark places that you shouldn't go by yourself. That's where the sex trafficking happens. And and like, you know, we're joking, but that it's like apparently there's articles like it's not a great place. Dude, I'm gonna uh, just by the, come by the in. way. By the way, I've been to that place several times it, throughout different areas of the country. Like there, are, I think yeah. all the skate lands are the same spot, basically. Yeah, and so this is one that's in Coon Rapids. It is like where we'd go for I don't know middle school field trips and shit. Is that yeah, what we were doing? Snowball. Okay. Um, I had a decent time there. There I, was a chance you might get to smooch a girl there, which was cool. A lot of freedom there. I was okay with all that stuff. So I was into it. I'm going to give it a, uh, I have to give it a negative because of the sex trafficking. <laughs> Otherwise it might be positive. It's a 40. I'm going to go 47. I was going to give it a positive score before you put me on the spot and said, because of the sex trafficking. It has to be negative. Well, that's that. your own fault. You teed it up. Like it was some like uh, pedophile paradise. Uh <laughs> Which is which is what they might as well have named it because the the yeah. DJ guy was like vying for the strip club gig, but he's stuck at the skateland spot. Next up on the stage, we've got Jimbo doing the limbo, and you know what I mean, like <laughs> yes, that actually happened. All right, guys, uh, skatelands. I think were pretty overrated. Um, there was not, not a lot of good came from going to the skate land. So yeah, I'm with you guys. Uh, 49. Okay. Cool. So we all kind of like it. Yeah. <laughs> that is all the time we have this week, guys. Go back and check out our sports cast. It was great. We are going to be back next week. Hopefully, uh, all of our, our shows are going to be cooking because we're telling you all the things you need to be watching. You guys need to watch it. Lorian, if you don't have Disney Plus, go get it. You need to be watching His Dark Materials. If you don't have HBO Max, go get it. All these great movies are coming out. We're telling you everything you need to watch. And it is the season for watching holiday movies. We're going to be giving you all of that stuff. Uh, also, guys, Nordies are coming up. So let us know what you guys think. We have some ideas of what we want to rate. But if there's anything that you guys are really excited to hear or you need to hear for the Nordies, fourth annual, let us know. Until next week, thank you guys for listening to the Nordies podcast.